Good afternoon, my dear friends, and welcome to another episode of the Painting Pictures Podcast. The Painting Pictures Podcast. I'm Gabriel Roberts. I'm coming to you from just outside of Craftsbury, Vermont. Sorry, that was just a big truck went by. You might not have heard that. Just outside of Craftsbury, Vermont. I'm actually looking up at the ridge where my little eye can spy buildings that form part of Craftsbury Common, Vermont, which is a different town. You see, you've got Craftsbury, the village, and then you've got Craftsbury Common. You've got East Craftsbury, probably West Craftsbury. I'm not really sure, but, but they all are kind of more or less part of Craftsbury. And there's just not enough room to make, like, one big town. So they're all spread out into tiny little towns. And and that's just how things are around here. It's, it's lovely. It's very green. It's warming up here. We're getting to the end of June. It's almost over, June. We're going to have to wait another year for June again. But we get July. And that's pretty good. You know, you get the 4th of July... Gets warmer. Um, you're just you're right into summer. Then you're like you're really into summer, and there's no denying it. And there's no anticipating summer, or looking forward to summer anymore. It's like no, this is summer, and this is what it is. <laughs> so you're gonna have to wait a whole other year, whole other year. Another whole year. You're gonna have to. That's why I want to say that sounds better. You're gonna have to wait another whole year for this time to come again. So enjoy it, folks. Enjoy it. You've got summer. You can enjoy it. I'd like some ice cream. I don't know about you, but I would really like some ice cream. I think I've gotten more into ice cream uh, recently. Like, I don't remember it being such a thing to me. Like, yeah, I liked, I've always liked ice cream. But I'm sitting here dying for an ice cream cone. Just dying <laughs> to have a scoop of ice cream in my mouth. Um, you know what I had the other day? Pause for this car to go whizzing by. Um, mango sorbet. Now, that's not really ice cream. It's sorbet. But right about now, that would do just fine. Oh, it had that delicious mango kick. I was just talking about mangoes on this last podcast. And this sorbet had within it that tremendous mango flavor where it really hits you in the sweet spot of the mouth. Ooh! Ooh, you know what I'm talking about? You get that sweet, mmm, mango flavor? Boy, I want to go buy some right now, but I'm not going to be home until this afternoon, so I'd have to eat the whole pint, which wouldn't make me feel good. I think I'd probably get halfway through with pleasure, <laughs> with, with great pleasure, and no ill effects. And then the last half would be a struggle. I'd probably get a brain freeze and I wouldn't feel too good. 
Well, thanks for tuning in. I've got a great podcast for you guys today. It's a conversation with my roommate, Brent McCoy, a.k.a. The Real McCoy. He's a street performer. He's an artist. Unfortunately, we only got to talk for about 45 minutes. But the upside of that is I now have room to ramble right up front here. (laughs) I can get weird with you guys in this car. And I I know that I'm not going to get too long overall on the podcast. Try to think if there's any important updates. I just took a little swim and the smell of smoke came streaming out of my hair. That's smoke from a fire from... Two nights ago, let's say, I want to say, well, how do you, so, what does that mean, two nights ago? I guess if last night was Monday night, that's one night ago, night before that was Sunday night, that's two nights ago, well then this would actually be three nights ago. Three nights ago, I sat around a campfire, got smoked up brilliantly, fully, hickory smoked, hickory dickory, flickery flamed, flickered, smoked. <laughs> it was it was all over my buddy and in my clothes. Um, used to not like that smell, now I like it. I don't know if I ever didn't like it or I just thought that I shouldn't like it. And I actually liked it the whole time. But now I I don't think that I shouldn't like the smell of smoke in my hair. And I'm free to enjoy it. I like the smell of it. Interesting though how when you get your hair wet, like I just did when I took a swim in a tiny little stream here, uh, it releases the smoke smell again. And it's like, ah, oh, takes you back to three nights ago. It's interesting to think about those little smoke particles just sitting in your hair. Isn't it? Isn't it? Don't you think? I just swam in about... Oh... How deep do you think the water was that I just swam in? It was in a creek. I mean, creek, stream. I don't know the difference. Does anybody? Small. Smaller than a river. Wasn't a river. Was not a river, I can tell you that. And how many, so how how deep do you think the water was? I'll give you a hint. It wasn't very deep. (laughs) It was not very deep. Well, I found, I found a spot where I I could submerge my, I think I was able to submerge my whole body. My wee-wee might have been protruding. My wee-wee might have been sticking out. Somebody walking by would have just seen a little (laughs) wee-wee sticking out of the water. (laughs) Um, so not that deep, you know, a foot, no, how wide am I? How thick am I? Um, less than a foot, probably front to back. Anyway, I took a, a, a dip and it was in a pool. It was where the, the trickling stream coalesced into a little bit of a pool on some large rocks. And I got in and, and I heard a, Oh, sound of of a rush of water downstream, and I wondered what it was. Where is there more water coming into the stream? Well, it turns out that my buddy 
had simply displaced a bunch of water. It's like I'd overflowed the little bathtub, and it went flowing out and gushing down. And that's what the sound was. Charlie? It wasn't a foreign stream invading my stream. It was my buddy displacing water further down the stream. Ancient Chinese proverb, Bridge ices before road. Was my buddy displacing water down the stream. My fingernails are getting really long. Um, no one's cut them for me. No one has cut them for me. And fortunately, I just I live a life whereby having really long fingernails is not that big of a deal. I'd like my life to always be that way. Wouldn't you? To never have to worry about it? Oh, what I really want to talk about is this BLT sandwich that I ate. Alright, so I got this... I ordered a BLT from a restaurant. And I saw on the menu that it contained mayonnaise, as most BLTs do. Some would say that, a, that the mayonnaise is a fundamental ingredient in the BLT. Now, traditionally, typically... I am not a fan of mayo. In fact, I detest mayonnaise. Don't want it on my sandwich. Don't want it in my mouth. Don't want it in my business. I want nothing to do with it. But recently, thanks to aiolis, etc., I'm starting to come around to palating, stomaching, accepting, managing, dealing with a little bit of mayo in my diet, here and there. It makes life easier. You know, sucks to have to send things back because they have mayo on them. So I've gotten all the way to the point that, but this was like the furthest I've come in my uh, relationship with mayonnaise to the point where I ordered a sandwich fully cognizant of the fact that it was going to come with mayonnaise on it. And I went ahead with the order anyways. Not because I was afraid of being a hassle, you know, being a pain. The guy that says, oh, no, hold the mayo, please. I wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a self-conscious, oh, try to be agreeable. No, it's like, I'm going to get this BLT, and it's going to have mayo, and it's going to be all right. And it was. It was. Now, it did have a lot of mayo on it, but it was a big stack of BLT and smoked turkey, house-smoked turkey, which means they put it in the house and set it on fire, take the turkey out, just at the right moment, put it on your sandwich. Um, and it was, you know, I was eating mayo. I was tasting mayo. I was eating mayo. And I had, I had fortunately, a big pile of delicious sweet potato fries so that I could immediately, like, if a bite had a, was a little heavy on the mayo, well, I could shovel a couple of SPFs in there. And that would take care of that overload, that mayo overload in a hurry. Overwhelm it with some nice, sweet, starchy, salty SPFs. And I'd carry it carried right along. Now, I only ate half this sandwich, folks, because it was a big sandwich. I mean, I know you're... <laughs> I know you've seen some big sandwiches, and I have too. And I'm not saying this was bigger than any sandwich I'd ever seen. But it was a pretty big sandwich, nonetheless. Uh, I'd only ate half of it. 
I did at one point do something I would have done immediately years ago, which is peel back one of the one of the sandwich breads, one of the pieces of bread. That's all I need to say. The piece of bread. And with thy knife, do a little scrape, 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 scrape. Just to get off where it's gobbed on there. Um, in retrospect, ordering light mayonnaise would have been a great call. Just a great call. Because this was heavy mayonnaise. And it was lathered on there like somebody that likes mayo. And I think that most people like mayo, and um, it's one of those things that they might not slather on their own sandwich only because they don't want to waste mayo, which turns out is surprisingly expensive. Or because, if you buy organic mayonnaise, that is, or because they are watching their figure and they think mayonnaise being high in cholesterol or whatever is bad for them. It's like, oh, I shouldn't put on too much mayo. But then they go to a restaurant and they're like, ooh, yeah, they put on lots of mayo and they fucking love it. They eat that shit up. Like, yeah, mm, ooh, yeah, look, ooh, it's got, ooh, look at the mayo they put on there. That's what I'm talking about. And they, they just eat it down and they don't, they don't comment on it. They're not like, oh, there's oh my god, there's so much mayo on here. Or like, oh, I love how much mayo there is on here. They're just like, just eat it real quick and no one will know. <laughs> no one will see how much mayo has on it. It'll be my little dirty secret. <laughs> mm! Mm, I love mayo. I'm not, that's not exactly me. That's not exactly who I am. Uh, so, you know, restaurants, you're not doing me a favor by slathering on that mayo. I'm not secretly wanting, craving that much mayo, um, a little too much mayo, a little too much mayo on the sandwich, and as I figured might be the case, eating it today for lunch, so, you know, a few hours later, shall we say 16 hours later, get just a ballpark figure, the mayo was a little bit too much, and I felt like as I was eating the sandwich, in my car, I felt like there was, the mayo was multiplying on the sandwich. Uh, it was, it was soaking through the bread and starting to ooze out. There was one hole in the top of the bread and the, the mayonnaise was starting to ooze out of it. And the whole time I'm trying to maintain this sort of attitude of like, I'm eating a sandwich with mayo. Not a big deal. I don't even, you know, does it have mayo? I don't know. It's just my sandwich. I don't, you know, and, and not be the normal Gabe who's freaking out that there's fucking mayo all over the sandwich. Well, I couldn't do it, folks. I paused. I had to scrape off a bunch of the mayo and then I didn't know what to do. I, I had it all over my hands. I was trying to use little scraps of house smoked turkey to smush the mayonnaise off of the spoon into my Tupperware. And make a little disgusting corner of chaos and fatty edges of turkey and globs of mayonnaise. And I just couldn't make it through the whole sandwich. It's sitting here in this Tupperware. Um, you know, I get, give you it. I don't even want to open it, you know. I'm going to have to open it later, put it in the trash. 
Oh, and and so the now I'm not now I'm not even gonna now I'm gonna go back. This is a setback. Essentially, this is a setback in my relationship with mayonnaise, and I'm gonna be set back to the point where it's gonna gross me out, and I'm gonna have to ask for no mayo on things, and I'm just gonna have to start all over again, basically, thanks to this one fucking sandwich. Thanks, thanks a fucking lot, whoever you are with your spatula that went <laughs> with the mayonnaise on my sandwich. Way to get me off mayo for another couple years. Um, I think we should get into this podcast, get on with it. This is, again, this is Brent McCoy, a.k.a. The Real McCoy. This dude is a professional street performer. He's hilarious. I've seen, you can see some of his videos on YouTube. I had the pleasure of of attending the Vermont Vaudeville show. He and his wife, Maya McCoy, founded Vermont Vaudeville, and they now do two shows a year here in the Northeast Kingdom in Hardwick, Vermont. They're hilarious. Hilarious. Variety shows filled with feats of juggling and comedy and shit. It's just real funny stuff. And and Brent and I got to talk about the whole world of street performing, of which I really had no idea. Um, we didn't get to talk about his paintings, unfortunately, and ironically, considering the title of this podcast is Painting Pictures. But that's going to be for another time. We recorded down in the basement where it's nice and cool of this awesome house uh, that he and Maya own and have fixed up. Uh, not that it was in bad shape, I don't think, but they've just improved it. And it's maybe my favorite house ever. Uh, it's got everything you want, um, and they have a great dog who you met on the last podcast named Little. We didn't really talk about Little, but she was just lying there next to us like a good little angel. All right. Um, gosh, just we'll just get into it. Again, this is the Painting Pictures Podcast. Uh, go to the website for links to Brent and stuff. It's the website is GabeRobertsArt.com. The email address with any questions is GabeRobertsArt at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in. Now, please uh, direct your auditory attention to the, the sweet soul that is Brent Eden McCoy.
That's a hell of a ball right there. Yeah, man. So. Oh, yeah, it's so nice and cool down here. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah, warm in the winter, cool in the summer. It's a good place. It is. It stays warm down here in the winter? Oh, fifty. Or warmish? Yeah. Well, I had topics, but... I can, I, I, I can remember them, I think. Hmm. Did you go to the co-op? Yeah. I went to... Uh, yeah. Buffalo Mountain? Yeah. I went and got uh, little vegetables. And... Do you find it strange that the co-op here and in Montpelier both have mountain in the name? <laughs> yeah, I guess I never really knew that the Montpelier co-op had mountain in the name until like really recently. It was always just the Montpelier co-op. Mm. I didn't realize it was Hunger Mountain. Hunger Mountain? Yeah. But yeah, Buffalo Mountain's always been yeah, my hometown, so kind of. Yeah. Do you, you don't think that's suspicious? No. <laughs> What's the one in Burlington? It used to, it's now City Market, but it used to be something else, I mm. think. Hunger Mountain's kind of a weird name for a co-op. Yeah. But do you know where the mountain is? Have you been Have you been there? Oh, it's a, there is a mountain? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it's in the Worcester Range. It's, it's uh, actually called Hunger Mountain. Yeah. There's a... Um, Worcester Mountain, Hunger Mountain, and then there's another one, maybe the Pinnacle. Um, hmm. They're all kind of in a line, hmm. and there's a really pretty area. Cool. Um, but if you go out of Montpelier on Route 12 mm-hmm. towards Morrisville, uh-huh. that's an awesome road. Then you can get to you go through Middlesex and um, Worcester. Yeah. And Worcester Mountains there, and then Hunger Mountains there too. Cool. I hiked it when I was a kid with my parents on my mom's birthday, and I got sick. Uh-huh. They thought I was just whining because I didn't want to hike. But by the time I got down, I had like a 102 fever. Oh. <laughs> and they were like, okay, we'll buy you ice cream. <laughs> it felt pretty bad. <laughs> you, you still remember that? Yeah, man. It was vivid. I mean, How it was old like, you? I was probably eight or nine. Yeah. And we, you know, triped up this mountain. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't feel good. And they're like, shut up. It's, yeah. it's your birthday. My mom's birthday. And it's like, <laughs> they weren't saying shut up. But they were like, come on, suck it up. Yeah. But that's the only time I've been up there. I've never been up there since. Worcester Mountain I've done a few times. Cool. Yeah. There's a lot of mountains around here. Yeah. Yeah. There's some great ones. Have yeah. you done any? No. Maybe not a one. Not there's a couple, single one. There's a couple right up in um, Barton. Uh, Pisgah. Uh-huh. Looks over Willoughby. Like, uh-huh. being up there today would be awesome. Yeah. Because it's so clear it's and green. Weird. You can yeah. see the whites, and you can see the spine of the, the greens. And, uh... Oh, so there's a mountain range called the Green Mountains. Yes. Yeah. Green Mountains run. That's the Appalachians, but it's in the part that's in Vermont. And then the Whites uh, are the Appalachians, but it's in New Hampshire. Uh, yeah. Look at that. Yeah. And I think there's all sorts. Like the Worcester Range is a... I don't really know my mountains that well other than that's where good. the ones are that I've been up. Do you have anything you want to know about California? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I know nothing about California. <laughs> yeah. It really helped me out there. Boosted my Vermont, yeah. my Vermont knowledge a fair amount. Yeah. So, Brent McCoy, how does it feel to be living the dream? <laughs> well, some days it feels pretty good. <laughs> other, day, other days I'm a little stressed out, but yeah. I think that's my own, my own juju, not, not life. Life's pretty right. good, man. Yeah. Um, I guess, I guess uh, you, mean, you mean, what do you mean by living the dream? Like, uh, well, you're doing what you love, 
Yep. You got a great gal. You got a great house. Yep. You travel. You're basically you're free. You're more or less free in a yeah. lot of ways. I guess when I wake up in the morning, most days I feel pretty lucky to be where I'm at and to be able to make a living as an artist. Yeah. And it's really funny because I do tell people that I do what I love, and uh, it's really that I do what I know how to do, and mm -hmm. I got to know how to do what I can do by doing it a lot because I love mm -hmm. it. But now when I juggle, it's kind of funny. It's like a tool, right? And it's not um, it's not like, gosh, I love this and I want to share my yeah, passion. It's more right. like I'm I'm making a, I've learned to capitalize off something that right. you know, maybe could have just been a hobby, right? Um, but in doing so, I've allowed myself to learn kind of about my learning style and see that I can make other things my hobbies and get really good at those things, like painting, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to get really good at that mm -hmm. by putting the time in and maybe mm -hmm. someday capitalize on it. Hmm. Um, I'm kind of a pragmatist, but I'm also kind of an emotional dude, so I, I lead a little bit with my heart, but worry with my wallet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, Feels, it feels definitely good to have a house and a, and a marriage to Maya and to be able to make a living together doing something that's of our own discretion. Yes. I think that's the, that's the, really the American dream is to have that, not to get rich, but to have that, um, that freedom to, to choose how we spend our time. Yeah, and, right. You can set your schedule. Yeah. You can say yeah or nay to things. Yeah. Yeah, I think that is. That's huge. I think that sucks when you're living a life where you have so little choice. Yeah, I think, well, I had a job. Have you had any real job, like real jobs? Yeah, I had a real job for a little while in yeah. San Francisco. Yeah. Did you like it? I liked it at first because yeah. I was making money. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> I got to like dress up and go downtown San Francisco. And yeah. I enjoyed sort of the, the novelty of it. But, and I was learning a lot in the beginning, learning a lot about the internet stuff, but it wore, that wore off. What were you doing? I was working for an a internet marketing firm, a little okay. internet company. Cool. Doing customer service. Yeah. Yeah. What was your real job? Um, I was working for a, an internet company that does IT in schools in the Northeast Kingdom of Vermont. Cool. And... Um, yeah, it sounds like a great job. If you still work in there, you could be making like 80 grand a year right yeah, now. Yeah, try like 30. <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> yeah. No, they, it was a really sweet kind of idea, but mm -hmm. really what it amounted to me end up doing was a lot of time backing up servers, mm. reinstalling software on student laptops. Mm. Um, the real, the real part that I that I struggled with was I would have opportunities come up for my performing work, yeah, and have to say. Can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah. Book. Or I'd have to finagle my way out of a working week from with my boss. Right. And I finally just said, this is what I think my time is worth. Where can you meet me at? Mm -hmm. He basically met me halfway in between what I was making, which was like 13 an hour. Oh, damn. And, and, you know, that's at a starting rate for somebody out of college with, right. without a degree in, what, in the yeah, field. Right. It was, you know, it was decent. Terrible, yeah. It helped me pay my car payment. Yeah. And it helped us buy our house because the bank said, oh, you have W-2 income. Mm -hmm. Great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's the downside I think a lot of artists don't realize when you start to go after being an artist is you don't look good on paper. Yeah. It really doesn't matter how much you make. They're, they're, they don't get it. Yeah. Definitely. You don't fit in the box that they wanted. Yeah. So I'll always look back on that job despite the fact that by the end I hated it. 
um, I'll always look back gratefully as like it was a really nice like real world. Yeah. Getting to see that this is what nine to five feels like. Exactly. Did you go to a, were you at one office? I was in days? schools. I was driving to schools and okay. like I would be in the computer room and the teachers would be like, I can't print. My printer's broken. Uh-huh. Or like the kids would come in and be like, we need to learn how to use Apple Word or word processing uh-huh. programs. Or um, I think the coolest thing that I did was a bunch of video conferencing. It was oh. right. It was before Skype and FaceTime, and yeah. it was back in two thousand seven to two thousand nine. Uh-huh. And um, it was just part time. And the reason they took me on was the guy that was in in my position was moving on to a, a state job, doing something with the Department of Education. Hmm. And he had created this whole thing. They had gotten a grant, and they had all these. Um, they called them the barbecues because they looked like a grill. They looked like a you know like, like a charcoal grill, yeah, yeah, like a Weber. And um, but it had a camera and a DVD player in it and a connection to your computer and it would connect to a fast internet connection and then uh-huh. you could video conference with anybody that had a Whoa. similar connection and and it was also like this local network huh. that we were trying to create and there are a ton of problems because schools are firewalled like crazy uh-huh. you don't want the real internet getting through you know uh-huh. so we were having a really hard time getting it to connect but when it worked it was really cool and. Um, a real world example how it's like oh this it was it was more of a connection than the, the internet maybe makes normally because the kids would take fee- virtual field trips to like um the uh what was it called the marine the marine life center or, or center for marine life it's in alaska oh, huh. and i'm i'm spacing on the name of the town in alaska it starts with an s sitka maybe sitka it's on the way it's like if you go to Homer from Anchorage, no, and then you no, take, no, you turn no. off, God, yeah, it's not, it's, anyway, there's a marine life, aquatic marine life center there, and cool. we do video conferencing, and I stopped there when Maya and I were performing there two summers cool. ago, we drove down to Homer and back and went over there and walked around this place, and it was just awesome, and I was like, wait wow. a minute, I did, I've seen this, cool. I've seen this before, and we, because they reach in, they hold up the urchins and uh, the, yeah. the fish, and you can talk about the, oh, the yeah. baleen and the whales, and the, yeah. And, uh, Kids love that. Show. Yeah, and so it was way way cooler than just like some static page that here's everything you could see in a gram or a YouTube right. video that's pre camera. Right. It's a real live person. Cool. Four time zones away. Yeah, that's a great idea. So yeah, I kind of remember that part fondly. That yeah. and that and it helped me get a house. <laughs> yeah. Right. They're like, yeah, this is my job. Yeah. I get regular income. So. So with the with the performing then becoming your way you make your living. Has do you feel like it's it's taken any of the fun out of it, or do you think it's uh, do you think it yeah basically every day every day is different. I'd say that <clears throat> there are days like um, Saturday we did three shows in eighty five degrees sunshine. I got yeah. a sunburn even though I put on sunblock. Yeah, and got really dehydrated by the yeah. end of the day. Like we had run out of water and. There was no water on the fairgrounds. Oh, you know, there's no green room or anything. It's not very yeah, glamorous. Right. It's a decent paying job. You know, I, we we make a good living, but yeah. it's you have to kind of sacrifice some of these fundamental things. And when you you're not prepared for it, it's easily it's easy to fall into this. Oh gosh, I regret. Yeah. You know? But if you go in going, okay, we got two gallons of water. Yeah. We got this show, this show, this show, and in between, we're gonna remember to do some block. Yeah. And. Um, like the place we were working in was really dusty, yeah. just kind of sandy and dusty, yeah. and not flat for riding a unicycle. So, it's, you know, there's some challenges that nobody else understands. But like when we do handstand, Maya does a handstand, and then 
her legs go over my shoulders and then her hands, she sits up and her, she grabs my face and if her hands are covered in sand, oh, yeah. it's like, there's shit in my eyes. <laughs> it's, like, it's just, you know, it's stuff like that where I, you have to have a really kind of patient sense of humor and not set your bar too high. Yeah. And then, right. and then you get in the car at night and you're like, I'm just so tired. Yeah. Um, and, huh. uh, but no, I wouldn't trade this line of work for, for yeah. anything. Um, yeah, it's, it's really nice to create theater in places where people don't expect it. Right. And that sort of mirth that where they, they find themselves laughing for half an hour. Right. And the energy goes around and yeah. comes back to you. That's really... And that never gets old because it's, it's yeah. always a different audience. I yeah. imagine it's one of those things maybe that it might be... You might dread it a little getting into it if you're tired or you had a long drive or whatever. But once you're in the show and you've got somebody there giving you their full attention... Yeah. I imagine... You're in it. You're in it all the way. Cause, yeah. Yeah. There's no other way to do it, really. There's no other joy like being at the reins of a show where people have chosen to stop and watch you midway. Yeah. And they're just laughing. Yeah. It's like that. that's that's the thing that I'm the most addicted to. Yeah. And when it doesn't happen, that's also the most frustrating. Yeah. Where it's like, you guys are choosing not to participate right now. You're choosing not to let me in to be vulnerable. Right. And to, or sometimes I'm choosing not to let them be comfortable or whatever, you know, right. it's, it's really a subtle dynamic. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I still do enjoy juggling. I still do like, I love watching the, the newness for people who haven't seen it mm-hmm. and kind of cultivating the newness mm-hmm. in myself. Like I remember when I first got that trick, mm-hmm. I remember how it feels. And if you bring that out, it's not a, it's not a, a lie, even though your the newness is, you're kind of fabricating mm-hmm. the reaction mm-hmm. in a way. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to do that it's an right. act right but uh it, it still feels that way i think it probably redu- releases some of the same you know chemicals in our bodies like mm. yeah and so yeah that doesn't get tiring that doesn't so you guys are part of like this a whole culture that i really had no concept of yeah it feels like and it, it's special because there's this circus school here there's like a summer camp oh yeah that was right local here. Yeah. And so we got to meet a bunch of your friends, a bunch of people that are involved in it. Yeah. And a bunch of people that are, you know, that are that are into touring and um, has the and you guys have gone, you guys have traveled around the world too. Mm-hmm. Um, what's what's the like the scene like in the United States and like how does it how has it been changing and how is it different or the same to like other places you've gone in the world. Okay, so, well, let me just start by saying that I got so lucky to grow up four miles from where Circus Smirkus started. And Circus Smirkus has been around since, I think, 1984 or 1986. I can't remember if they hit 30 years or not. But now their permanent summer camp facility is in Greensboro, combined with their original facility, where it has always been in Greensboro. Uh And when we moved here... That community kind of existed, but it's only gotten stronger. And so, cool. like, all the folks that you got to meet, some of whom I know really well, some of whom I don't, they're all tied into that little piece of the pie. Right. And then that little that little piece, one, exposed me to, like, really high-level circus acts when I was yeah. a teenager. That This Russian clown, not Russian clown, Russian acrobat and juggling troupe came through. They were on a tour. Cool. And they knew the coaches at the camp at the time. This is in 1998. Yeah. And I was there and they stayed at the camp for three or four nights and they practiced in the gym at night. Awesome. And this girl was like 16 and she had been like militantly trained 
yeah. from childhood to be a juggler. And she yeah. was throwing tricks that I still can't do. Wow. And flawlessly, wow. you know, like on repeat, wow. just practicing, rehearsing five clubs, juggling five clubs, oh, throwing three shit. up, spinning around, going back into five clubs. Then right after, without dropping or stopping, one on the forehead, balancing wow. while juggling four, and then back into five. Wow. It was just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Here I am trying to learn five balls going, I want to, I want to be able to do that someday. And um, so that sort of element, I think, and this is pre-YouTube, pre, right. pre um, the internet has just completely transformed it, because now you can go and probably find that person on, there's probably right. videos of her juggling somewhere. I think right. She's relatively... Uh, famous in the circus world at the time, mm. and uh, but now the whole the whole world is connected through social media. Where, like the friends that I have through Circus Smirkus that have I've known, like I met Maya there my right. first day on the job when I was seventeen as a camp counselor. I met my wife yeah. to be, you know, yeah. Yeah. right. And then um, same thing. I have some uh, same day. I met David and Tobin, who are now um, total peers. Like they have a street show that they do together. And we've been performing for about the same amount of time. They work in Boston. I work in Boston. We're going to be at at least one festival, maybe two together this mm -hmm. summer that are so totally separate. Mm -hmm. And then that world continues to just overlap. And those events keep bringing people together. Yeah. Met this dude named Jamie. He's, he's um, an American, but he's got an Australian citizenship. Met him in San Diego this spring uh, at the Buskers Festival there. And he knows everybody that I know on well, <laughs> Facebook. Right, so, you know, we're Facebook right, buddies. Right. But like, if I ever cross paths with him, like we just hung out probably four hours one night, you know, yeah. over the course of the weekend, we, four hours here and there combined. But I feel like I know the dude. Right. Trust him. Right. And that's awesome. That kind of trust is really specific to the street performing world, um, and the kind of the kind of you have this like you've passed muster. Yeah. As a street performer, yeah. it's no, nobody says it. Nobody's like, oh, you're good enough to be in. It's just right. like, oh, you can do a show? Great. Yeah. I know it. I've been through that. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's that community. And that's then really cool. In the States, it's kind of starting. The okay. Canadian festival circuit has existed for 30 years. The huh. festival we're doing in Kingston in a couple weeks, um, 30 years. Hmm. So it started, what, 19, what's that, 86? 86. Yeah. And... Uh, Whereas the festival the weekend after is brand new this year. Wow. One's in Canada on the other side of the lake. One's in upstate New York. Yeah. In, a, you know, a Alexandria Bay, I think. And so they're trying to, they see what happens. They see that, you know, 200,000 people come downtown for this festival cool. to watch circus and comedy and laugh. Cool. And, uh, and they're going to try to start it. So we're yeah. going to go do that one and see how it goes. Um, yeah. So it does kind of include, it definitely includes comedy. Oh, yeah. It's it's different than like, just your typical stand up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's Our, usually a little more. It's a little more physical comedy or a little more like out in the open and like you you've got to you've got to grab people's attention. Yeah. And 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 do something quick. Yeah. I mean, the the um, the smartphone era that we live in. Yeah. You know, you were saying last night like, oh, I just put your phones away, people. Like, yeah. At the basketball game, they're all just watching yeah. it. And. That happens in the in street performing. Like every show, you have people sure. that e are either a recording the whole thing, yeah. you know, watching it through their iPhone. It's really funny to see somebody with their iPad, you know, yeah. like watching, like the robot world. Um, it's it, better. Yeah, it's better. <laughs> yeah. When I gotta you keep watch this it through a screen. All my friends are gonna love this. It's like no, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not that good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, I think people are just hoping that something really crazy or really bad will happen, uh, and they're gonna yeah, catch it. Yeah, you know, like. 
feel like that's the root of it. Yeah. Anyway, people are kind of, there's this like instantaneous gratification that yeah. people have trained, like that's what the internet gives you. Right. Click, like it, don't like it, it's over, it doesn't matter. Right. If I like something, I'll give it three minutes. If I don't like something, I'll give it three seconds. Yeah. And um, I'm guilty of that. And with street performing, you're kind of just break, you're asking people to put that away mm -hmm. and going back to kind of the root of who we are mm -hmm. down deep where we want human connection and mm -hmm. we want we want to be made to laugh at something mm -hmm. that's real. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, the I feel like I'm getting off track of your question. No, well, I asked kind of, I threw another question there. Yeah, what, but it's awesome. Um, we got to see the Vermont Vaudeville mm. show, which included just some straight up comedy in mm -hmm. the beginning, and then and it was all kind of together, and it felt like it had a little bit of a theme. So yeah, I guess I'm curious a little bit about like the tradition, like what does vaudeville mean, right. or like what is busking, sure, or like, yeah. Um, so yeah, busking is just um, it's really Canada's word or Europe's word for street performing. Okay. And in I think in our time it has more of a connotation of a walk by act, so something that somebody's playing a guitar, yes, exactly. doing something simple to watch for a couple minutes, maybe yeah. throw a little money in their bucket and walk yeah. by. You made and, this moment special. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's there's kind of three or four genres of street performing. I'll get to vaudeville in a second because okay. there's lots. That kind of is the the overarching okay. thing because it includes a lot. Um, we started with circus. Yeah. Circus to answer your right. question about comedy, like we use circus stunts as an excuse to get people laughing. Right. So it's like, hey, stop and watch. We're going to ride on this thing, this seven foot unicycle. We're going to juggle these things. They're going to be on fire. Yeah. And then this little kid's going to jump out of an airplane. <laughs> and, you know, and they're like, oh, that's not going to happen. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> just making it like, oh, I'm going to see something. And then you start getting into the character, who you are. And that's <coughs> where you start to differentiate between what we have, different kinds of street theater. So you have like a statue, somebody right. maybe totally. standing there totally still. Yeah. And you put a little money in the bucket. Yep. And have you guys been to Barcelona? Do something. No, I haven't been to Barcelona. There's Las Ramblas is like a famous tourist and there's like... Okay. Tons of it's stacked people in ridiculous costumes. Mm -hmm. Anyway, yeah, yeah, worth a worth a picture, worth a tip. Type yeah, of deal. yeah, they'll charge you a euro to take a picture yeah. with them. Yeah, and uh, so there's that. And that's yep. like a maybe what a two minute tops interaction right. that you're having. Right. And then I've seen people listen to street music for yeah. you know five or six songs in a row. Sure. Many people will just wait till the next song ends, or they'll enjoy their meal, or do whatever they're doing. Right. Or if they've enjoyed the music, then they'll they'll make right. a donation. And then you have like street art where people are making chalk drawings that yeah. are just to wash away in the next rainstorm, but these insane chalk drawings. Yeah. Like look up Chalk Master Dave cool. or uh, Chalky. There's these people cool. that I've met at festivals, and they do like the Mona Lisa wow. on yeah. concrete. Yeah. But it's, or it's like his mom because his mom had just passed away, wow. so it was the Mona Lisa, but it was his mom. Wow. Um, just really amazing, yeah. you know, talented artists that are yeah. doing it. And then basically same thing. You stop and watch them draw for a while and throw, right. and throw some money on the ground. And, right. um, and then you have... You know, virtuoso street musicians, mm -hmm. which are, there's a lot of ways that that works. Mm -hmm. um, some people really build the crowd. Other people are more like just singing covers. Mm -hmm. The ones that I really admire, there's a couple people in Boston um, who do this. They're Tall Heights. And they're just these really amazing musicians. They don't play covers. They sound amazing. Cool. And they treat it like a show. Yeah, and they, every time. And they sell CDs. Mostly that's where their revenue comes huh. from. Cool. But people are just like... Yeah. yeah. Somebody said to me last summer, like, those guys aren't going to be around long. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, yeah, they're almost about to be famous. You know, they're right. going to blow up and right. they're awesome. And then, and then to continue on the arc, so those people maybe start to build some more attention. Yeah. And then you have 
people who um, build a show, and we call them circle acts, circle okay. shows. Um, and that's where I, I say street performer. Yeah. I'm a street performer. That's really what that means to me. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of pride in the ability to like arrest your attention and keep you long enough yes. to, to spend half an hour with me, to yes. interrupt your day, yes. to spend half an hour watching, laughing, and then at the end, pay. Yes. And so like we don't have a bucket out the whole yeah, time. Okay. There's nowhere to put money. Nobody's walking in and dropping money in the middle and leaving. It's, it's a all show. about it's, it has a it has an arc, a beginning, yeah. a middle and an end. Yeah. And um that's that end, that promise of the finale, that's yeah. kind of the the thing that takes the most time to learn how to create this is where we're headed. Yeah. And then I'm gonna give you some really awesome yeah. stuff along the way that keeps that in mind. Right. And cool. Uh, so yeah. And then so that's all outdoors, and street performing can be, it doesn't have to be for tips. Like when we work at a fair, we hi, the fair hires us and mm -hmm. says, you're going to do three shows a day for this these days. Mm -hmm. And you show up, and you have your show times, and mm -hmm. people know you're going to be there, but oftentimes it's kind of secondary to mm -hmm. getting cotton candy and watching the monster trucks and right. going on the rides. And they're just walking by, uh -huh. and you're like, hey, stop and watch. Uh -huh. Check it out. We have this thing. And, and you build a show. So it starts with nobody, right. or maybe 20 people. But it turns into several hundred right. over the course of a half an hour until nobody can see. Yeah. You know, and that's why everybody gets up higher cool. on a unicycle or a pile of oh, equipment yeah. gets so up taller so that they can still be seen. And um, there are elements of stand-up. There are elements of circus. Right. There are elements of music and choreography. Right. A lot of pacing. Um, yeah. A good street show just has pace where it might not even be funny what you say. <laughs> yeah. gets people laughing. Yeah. Just because they're accustomed to you, like, hypnotizing them a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, and then, and then the artist to tactfully ask for money where they, they don't feel salty. They don't feel like they yeah. you feel like you've really given them something. Yeah. And those are the best shows where it really is a mutual, cool. mutual thing. So then vaudeville. Yeah. Uh, in my experience, well, actually, to define it, if you look it up in the dictionary, which we did once, um, for, as part of a show, it was um, vaudeville comes from a, a place in France, uh, vaudeville or Vaudeville, mm -hmm. um, and it's, you know, legend has it that that's where it began, but it's a, a theater, mm. and it's a mixed specialty acts, okay. music, dance, comedy, juggling, cool. acrobatics, kind of anything goes, Yeah. and we found it really hard to sell Vaudeville, because it's hard to define, and yeah. then we kind of realized, like, oh, we just need to teach people that Vaudeville is the thing they're trying to describe. Right. It isn't. It's not top hats and burlesque dancers. Right. Right. It's not. It's not inappropriate for kids. Right. It's really global and it's really anything that's specialized mm. and quick, fast-paced. So you're going from one act to another, mm -hmm. um, and in a theater. Mm -hmm. um, so like Vermont Vaudeville started on a whim. We did a show up in Orleans. We did a Christmas kids show, and our neighbors and their friend came, and after the show. They were all like, man, that was great. Like, everybody's laughing, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we should do this. We should have this happen. And so long and short of it was we did a show in that same space, and we just told everybody we knew about it. Mm -hmm. And we made it part of our little mini tour. We did three or four shows that spring. Mm -hmm. And the one that stuck was in Hardwick. Mm -hmm. We had all of these people that came together, connections of mine, Maya's, mm -hmm. Justin and Rose, our co-producers. Did you mm -hmm. meet them? Mm -hmm. Okay. And we basically sent out a note saying, hey, everybody come and watch this show we're doing. It was called the Entertainment Stimulus Package. Okay, nice. It was right after the whole economic stimulus package went mm -hmm. through in 2009. TARP. 
Um, we had all these great jokes. Um, Justin called it the trap. <laughs> it was the, the, tra- the trap, not the tarp. And uh, it's just really funny. And at the end, the stim- they had to get the stimulus meter into the red um, to finish the show. And so the audience was just cheering and going crazy. And so that show, 175 or 180 people came, which is in Hardwick a lot. Yeah, Hardwick's okay. a town of 2,500 or 3,000. Yeah. Um, they all showed up at 5 past 8. Nobody was there on time. Yeah. For the 8 p.m. show. It's like, <laughs> we came. It was by suggested donation. So they, they paid, you know, $10 or $5 for kids at the door. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the show, we cleaned up, pecked up, and then went down to the bar. And people were like, dude, that yeah. was awesome. I can't believe how many people were there, yeah. blah, blah, blah. So the space holds 350, right? Yeah. So we weren't even, we were just over half full, maybe yeah. half full. So we're like, well, I guess we got to do that again. And the next fall, we did it again. And then we just did this spring our 15th production. And you've been doing pretty much two a year, right? Yep, two a year, wow. every spring and fall. One wow. year we did a winter tour. This year we did one winter show. Um, we've done a few special events. But the magic happens in Hardwick. And I, and I don't know what we did. It's not just us. It's like the people. Yeah. They, they came. They brought the energy. The yep. space kind of amplifies energy because yep. it's not... It's very low-tech space. It's not an yeah. amplification or anything. There's no fancy lights. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, 15, 15 shows, and now we sell out in advance, like a week in advance, yeah. sell out tickets. And cool. It's, uh, it's kind of crazy. It's, like... it's so good. It's <laughs> so good. I enjoyed it so much. And it's, people don't, aren't exposed to that. And I think it's, it's a more... Um, I think it's, it's a special kind of thing. I think a lot of things that people pay to see or entertainment is so mainstream and so widely broadcast that their own reaction to it is sort of tainted by the overall perception and like what they're supposed to think or what storylines are sort of given to them. Whereas, and they come to something like that. And I think everyone senses that like, this is just happening right here tonight. And like, so you can enjoy it as much as you want. Like you get to, be honest about your appreciation of it. Yeah. And like, you don't, people's attention is so much more focused because they're not like thinking about, you know, like if you go see a big band that everyone knows, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, it's just harder. You have so many other expectations. Yeah. Everyone else that asks you about it has their own ideas about it. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, there's, and there's just not a whole lot. I don't know. There's not a whole lot like that anymore. Local stuff. Yeah, without pretense, or, or, and I'm not trying to say it's pretentious. Theater is not generally pretentious, but when you pay eighty dollars for a ticket or forty five dollars right. for a ticket, right. you know, for a family of four to go do something together for yeah. one hundred and thirty bucks, yeah, um, it better be good. Yeah, you know. Well, and people will say it's good even if it isn't. Yeah, like people. <laughs> we had a restaurant the other day that wasn't wasn't that good, and and it used to be really good. Apparently, I said it's a restaurant in Burlington that used to be really good. What's and, it called? Uh, or shall it remain nameless? Magnolia. It's like a breakfast, okay. brunch place yep. downstairs, mm-hmm. and maybe they just had an off day or something. But uh, you do get the sense that some people, some institutions and shows and stuff, can get to a point where they already they have something of a reputation, mm-hmm. and people. I mean, th- this isn't the case with Magnolia, but in some cases, people are traveling to go see. You got to see that thing, yeah. And then it's really expensive, and then. Just to justify having spent that much money, they're yeah. going to say that they had a great time and yeah. that the food was really good or whatever. 
Yeah, you know, I think with, with vaudeville, we have always been really conscious about not trying to blow up, not trying to get bigger than our britches, mm-hmm. and really trying to retain some of the, the specialness mm-hmm. of the space and our hometown crowd. And yeah. like we raised our ticket prices this year because, well, we have business expenses like we've incorporated, and there's like cool. all of a sudden our taxes cost a lot more because mm-hmm. we're having them professionally done, and mm-hmm. and um, the the just to own just to have the business costs several hundred dollars a year, mm-hmm. and um, and then we want to be able to get we want to be able to meet our own standards, so we have to get guest entertainers that are yeah. traveling from further away and right. have other opportunities that right. we have to compete with. Right. So we're also an employer in a way, right. which is a really fu- it's really fun to be on the flip side yeah, as a bet. producer rather than like I'm knocking on doors and calling out names saying, "Hey, can I come work?" For yeah, you? instead and, to be booking people. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's really fun. Um, but I got this feeling of like we have given such high quality to our to our base for so long. Yeah, and it's not that every show is a complete home run because right. we really don't know. We do it three, two or three or four times right. depending on when you look at our timeline. Now we're doing four shows in one weekend, Mm -hmm. but, uh, you do it those limited amount of times and the show's going to be what it is. It doesn't have three weeks of Mm pre-production. It's on a budget. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's, uh, it's finally gotten to the point where we can actually make it take priority, um, and not just be volunteers for it. Yeah. Because essentially that was what it was for the first few years. It was a volunteer project. Yeah. And, um, but like the guy that we're bringing in, in the fall, he's coming all the way from Vancouver, British Columbia. Awesome. He's going to fly himself out here on, on his points, is the idea, on his, uh-huh. on his airline points, and um, we'll, we'll be able to pay him, mm-hmm. but like it's it's really a for the love of it kind of thing, cool. but we can promise a really fun yeah. environment, a fun yeah. show, and uh, but he's kind of one of the bigger bigger dogs in the nice. in the, the variety entertainment world, yeah. because he's, what does he, do? he, he, do, he does cruise ships, and he does um, uh, a lot of festivals and yeah. fairs, and he works cool. internationally, and He's uh, he's the checker checkerboard guy, um, and he's a variety entertainer. I guess that means he juggles, he balances. He's cool. very funny, cool. very very witty, um, yeah. very Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and he's been at it for a long time, like thirty plus years. He's been doing wow. it, um, and everybody knows him in our in our circle yeah. of like minded folks. We all or like what profession a cool folks. Cool thing, um, man. So we've worked with him several times at festivals, and it's like, oh yeah. And it just so happens that his partner, his Canadian juggling partner, lives 45 minutes north of us, up near Magog, okay. in Quebec. Nice. So he can patch in a visit with him, too. And nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, you like, guys have got a real good thing. Yeah, it's cool. And, and it's scary and stressful sometimes. But right. To have, yeah, because now you do have some expectation, a little bit. But yeah. as long as you keep, yeah, as long as you keep the character the same, it right. does sort of keep it... Staying true to that idea of, like, we're going to make it the best show we can. Yeah. We're not doing it for the money. Yeah. Although it's nice to get paid for our work, but yeah. it's not the motivator. Yeah. The motivator is to, like, we want to make something awesome. Yeah. We want to have to challenge ourselves to get out of our our comfort zone. Because, like, the, show, the shows that Maya and I do, both The Secret Circus and The Real McCoy Show, are two different products. And they're basically finished. There's mm-hmm. always, like, fine-tuning and tweaking. But they're done. Mm-hmm. If you saw it today and then you saw it a year from now, it's probably going to be pretty similar. Mm-hmm. And uh, whereas the vaudeville show, like we make ourselves make 20 new minutes of material. Cool. Which is like jumping off a diving board and you don't know if there's water in the pool. Yeah. You're just kind of like, I'm going to land and yeah. it's okay. Okay, it's all right. And uh, that's a great place to be as an artist where you give yourself a deadline and yep. a 
a responsibility yeah. to just try. Yeah. Put on a show. <clears throat> yeah. And I think people feel that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Putting on a show. Mm -hmm. That's an old school concept. Yeah. And I'm so nice that you guys are doing it. Yeah. Well, thanks. I'm glad you got to see it. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, hopefully I'll be around for the uh, for the one in the fall as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a special kind of uh, it's a special kind of entertainment that that isn't around that much anymore. No. And it used to be. Mm -hmm. People, because that's what you had to do to entertain yourself, and you had right. whatever local talent you had, and people had like people could. I don't know. I feel like more people maybe could juggle or like. In the same way that, uh, well, just with technology and, and everything, we've lost a lot of our skills and mm. the, the need to learn how to do things yourself. Yeah. And like, you know, I don't know. It's I, exciting. I think that the world that we live in now is, is full of opportunities to learn. And that's something that I really wish <clears throat> I had had the internet as a kid yeah. just so that I could have looked up more tutorial videos. Because mm, yeah. it's such a cool it's thing. True. It's like, oh, what a neat thing that we yeah. can go like. Hey, you want to change the oil in your car? Boom. Here's how to do it with yes. video. Hey, you want to learn how to juggle a four four ball trick? Okay. Yeah. Boom. Here's how to do it. That's and true. then and then oh wow, I didn't think I could do that. Oh man, what if I did this? And you can have on your own like your own ideas. Yeah. Um, I just had a thought while you were saying that in um, the town hall in Irisburg, mm -hmm. not too far north of here, mm -hmm. is um, I've been told I haven't seen them, but apparently there are old Marx Brothers posters in there. Cool. They would tour on the train. Really? And they would hit these ta little towns and do a show, and they'd, you know their their flyers would be hung out a few nights before. Yeah. And they'd be coming through on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday in a region or whatever, and it'd be like one night only. Wow. You know, and that that excitement of like novelty and yes. If you just imagine yourself living with your you have your draft horses and your sheep flock and maybe your maple your maple. Uh, your sugar bush and you're on a farm right. in rural Vermont right. and the winters are hard and you're basically just subsisting, you know, uh, and you get these crazy people coming through that are doing slapstick and comedy yes. and, and crazy tricks. Like that must have been pretty awesome. And then totally. on, the, on the other, the, like the, like look at uh, Ringling Legacy, uh -huh. the Barnum and Bailey Ringling Brothers, uh, yeah, that circus. Yeah. Their legacy, I mean, that transformed the concept of circus. Mm. And then again, it got transformed. You know, Cirque du Soleil has like created a new paradigm. That's yeah. a, it's a household name now. Yeah. And, um, and it's more like human feats without yeah. the animal aspect. Right. It's more like technology and right. dance. And, um, and I don't know what's next, but I think this groundswell. Dogs. <laughs> Everybody loves the dog show. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know what's next as far as the... But there is a groundswell of like vaudeville, yeah, locally more locally branded productions. Yes, I can think of one in L.A. I can think of one in cool. Chicago. There's stuff all over New York all the time, um, and uh, we just met a magician on Saturday who was like, "Oh, I produce shows. We do a show every year in this little town in cool. upstate New York." It's like, "Oh, cool. I would never have heard of that." Right. You know? Yeah, and that's the beautiful thing is you'll never, you never can see them all. It's not like. A fucking TV show that everybody can watch all of the episodes, of, right? And everyone can have the exact same experience. Yeah, it's like no matter what, your experience is going to be different and special, and you're going to have a an actual connection with the performers. You yeah, know, but it's just for a night. Yeah, it's it's great. I better check the time just because shit, I actually have to go pretty soon. Okay, um, well, but hey, give me your fun. take on coffee.
How's it going, oh, man? Dude, okay. Because so I, ta- I talk about coffee a lot on this podcast. Okay. You're like two weeks, no coffee, mm-hmm. something like that? A month. Oh, wow. When were we in New York? Oh, right. It was right it was... after I moved in here, basically. Yeah, so it was mid-May. Yeah. Middle of May. Yeah. Right before Memorial Day weekend. So basically a month ago. Yeah. Maya and I both quit coffee cold turkey. And that meant three days of headaches and spaciness. And we were in New York City at the time. Right. Which was, I think we probably saved $100 at least just by not buying coffee every day. <laughs> um, but it's great. Like I have this, um, uh, I can just get up and go in the morning. Mm. And, and I do miss the flavor. I love drinking yeah. coffee. But um, it was just the addiction that I, I, for a long time I knew I was totally hooked. Yeah. You know, physically hooked to coffee. Yeah. And, uh, but without it. I'm I'm much more happy with just water. Yeah. Um, and so I look. I had a where was I yesterday? Somebody was like, "Well, will it offend you if I have coffee?" It's like, no, it doesn't offend me at all. I'm gonna watch you drink it and go, "Ha, ah, that's oh, nice." That's nice yeah. <laughs> it's more like I just can't deal. I can't deal with the the addiction anymore. I gotta yeah. just when you're driving down the middle of the night in like Ohio, yeah, or middle central Pennsylvania, and there's one gas station after another, you know that their coffee is just not going to be like what you really want, you right. know, what you make for yourself at your house. Right. And then let alone, they don't even have milk, they have like creamers. Oh God, yeah. And it's like, I'm putting this into my body. Yeah. Because I need to. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want that anymore. Yeah, good on you. Yeah, felt good. It was, it was a really, it was like Did you scary. guys talk about it a lot when you decided to do it? We discussed it and we made up our minds and then about a week later we did it. Wow. Yeah. Pretty awesome. No, Maya's great like that. She's got way more willpower than I do. To just kind of lay it down. Yeah, like, that's what we're doing. Yeah. yeah, and then when we made up the decision, she's like, "Okay, I'm holding you to that." <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you said you would. <laughs> I can't do it if you don't do it. Yeah. So come on. So we just woke up. Our last cup of coffee was really great. We had um, we stayed at our friend Maria Jose and David. They have a little apartment in um, Alphabet City in Manhattan, and. Uh, we had a so really nice makes the soup. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they make the soup. <laughs> yeah, we had a really nice cup of espresso with them mm. on the morning before, and that was, and, and that was that was we'll go down as the last cup. Are you guys like we're never drinking coffee again? Really? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, you can't hear that. I'm nodding my head. Yeah, but never. Yeah, yeah never. I I want to I want to be off caffeine because yeah. here's what happens. I have one cup of coffee. And I'm like, yeah, I like that. <laughs> and then I get a headache the next day. And right. I've done, I've gone for like six months before, and then oh, had okay. a cup of coffee and thought it would be fine. Yeah, Not fine. Oh yeah, it kind of rocks you. Yeah, it really is tired. really intense. Caffeine's intense. Yeah, yeah. it's a it's an adenosine inhibitor. Adenosine is a is a um, I did a research paper on it in college, huh. and adenosine is a neurotransmitter that is kind of like a regulator yeah. in your brain. Yeah. And so when if it takes the place of adenosine. Adenosine is saying, um, uh, it's reg- it regulates all these other chemicals that are coming in your body and going, okay, um, I'm going to wake you up, mm. I'm going to help you, you know, I'm gonna regulate your level of fatigue. Mm. And so when you take coffee away, all of those chemicals come in mm. and they're just like, ha ha, we're not there. <laughs> you know? And so that's where the sleepiness comes from. Yeah. And, uh, and then it's also a vasoconstrictor, really. Yeah. So your veins are dilated. Without it, your veins dilate. Yeah. And it's also a, what do you call it when you have, it makes you have to pee? There's a word for that, too. Yeah. Um, but it's all of these things that really don't go well with driving long distances yeah. when you have to and yeah. street performing in the hot sun. Yeah. And um, 
yeah. and, and nerves. Like, I've had coffee in the morning and gone and done shows, and I'm, like, shaking yeah. physically. So I decided, yeah, I just, I got to go, that was a phase of my life. I really enjoyed that stuff, and now I'm done with it. Yeah. I'm going to find something else that I love. Right now, it's it's sparkling water, lemon juice, and maple syrup. Mm. Oh. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Well, you're an inspiration in many ways. Brian. Oh, well, hey, it's thanks. A pleasure living with you. Sorry, this was so short, but hopefully we'll get to do it again. Yeah, dude. If you provide the chocolate pretzels and the orange, I'm gonna come down. Awesome. So. Thanks a Cheers. lot, man. <laughs> thanks. There it was, short and sweet. What a dude, huh? What a dude. You can go to brentmccoy.com to find where he's doing shows. If you're in the East Coast, maybe you can go see him. He and Maya are regulars um, in Boston, um, regularly street performing at this one place that I just can't think of the name of. It's a square... It's like Friedrichs Square, Friedrichs Park. Anyway, um, you know, I should probably look that up, but like I'm in my car, I don't have data. Well, I do, but I don't have reception. Okay, so it doesn't do me a whole lot of good. So I can't look it up. Anyway, this is place in Boston where there's street performers like constantly, especially during the summer. And they do all kinds of cool things. And anyway, Brent and Maya do the Secret Circus show. Uh, sometimes Brent just goes and does the Real McCoy show. Anyway, go see him, you know, going around on unicycles and, like, juggling and making you laugh and building these awesome shows. It's quite an experience. So anyway, go to brentmccoy.com to check that out. You can also see some images of his awesome super realistic paintings there. I don't have a song, guys. I don't have a song. I don't have my guitar. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave you with a recording of instructions for a Bodabra, which is a machine or device that allows you to make fantastic wire and ribbon bows of epic, disgusting, over-the-top, puke, puke in my mouth because this this satin bow is so gross, uh, proportions. And it's a a device specifically designed for for you to make your own bows. It's called the Bodabra. And these are the instructions in French for how to use the Bodabra. Thanks for listening. Thanks to my guests. Mr. Brent McCoy, hopefully we'll have him back on the podcast in the future to talk, uh, get into things more. Feels like we could have talked for another three hours, no problem. And, um, you know, maybe one day we will. Or maybe we'll just do it in our minds. Maybe we'll just do it in our minds. And so then all you have to do is imagine us talking for three hours in your mind. A lot less work for all of us, except for maybe you. Thanks for your attention, dear listener. I do appreciate it. If you have any questions for me, please visit. Ga- uh, no, please send an email with your mind to 
gaberobertsart at gmail.com. And to visit the website for the podcast, go to gaberobertsart.com. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and rate and review this podcast on iTunes. There. Didn't see that one coming, did you? Do I, do I care about that stuff? You know what? Um, yeah, you know what? I do. I do. Uh, just a couple more would be great. But we're, you know, we're getting there. Um, tell your friends. Keep it wrinkled. And now here is the, uh, instructions for how to use the Bodabra. Thanks for listening, everybody. Until next time, adios. Confer un bucle. Un. Please un marco de fil metallique a bucle podabra. En du et le placer a travers le vitre a hot du bodabra. Du. Please votre ruban avant at erier a travers le bodabra. Plus de ruban vous utiliserez, plus la boucle sera grosse. Toi, ajoutez autant de passiles que vous désirez pour de textures et styles variés. Déposez une fleur dans le bodabra pour éclat extra. Écrasez votre boucle avec votre baguette Bodabra. 4. Tirez le fil métallique à travers le néod coulant, pendant qu'il est encore dans le Bodabra. Quand il est solide, l'insultir. 5. Ramenez le fil métallique à boucle vers l'arrière et l'attacher. 6. Une belle boucle Bodabra.